This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm ready to go tonight. I'm, I'm ready to get back here in the Faith Hall of Fame. You've never studied the scriptures much. This was a, a, a whole chapter that years ago the Lord began to tell me. He said, you marinate in that. You get in that book and you begin to understand just the significance of what happened with the people who are in there. And when I begin to study all these people in there, there's men, there's women. And it shows me their commitment, their sacrifice, their love for God. Now, the first one we talked about a few weeks ago was, was Abel, and that was Hebrews 11.4. And remember, God said about Abel, Abel had faith. That was God's words about him. And, and when we looked at Abel, his faith had to do with an excellent sacrifice. That it came to the area of his giving. Now, I'm just rewinding a little bit. But think about this for each one of us. That how is my excellent sacrifice revealed? Now, I know that passage was on the area given. Is your excellent sacrifice, is it revealed in your giving? How about is your excellent sacrifice, is it revealed in the way you serve? In the way you pray? In the way you worship? You know, one of the passages says that we're offered a sacrifice of praise. So is your, is your sacrifice of praise, is it excellent? And so it's like every one of these areas, the reason Abel stood out is because Abel gave him his best. And so I believe that's one of the areas that God wants to move in every one of our lives. He says, Live with that excellent spirit. Live with that excellent sacrifice. So now we move on to the next one. This is Hebrews 11, verse number 5. By faith, Enoch. Now again, when you see this by faith, most of the modern translations will go back and say this, that God said Enoch had faith. Enoch didn't say he had faith. God's the one that said He's got faith. So it uses this guy named Enoch and says, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Now when you study about this guy named Enoch's life, what happens to Enoch is the reason he never took, uh, experienced physical death is, is God took him like a whirlwind and just, he was gone, he was out of here. God Peter panned him. He's out of here. And so when you study the scriptures, that up to that time had only happened to three men after him. Enoch, uh, Elijah, and the Lord Savior Jesus. And, and so when we look at this, God took him out of here and, and he never experienced death. And so a lot of people would have this thought right here. Well, why, why did God shorten his life? Why did God do that? It shows me oftentimes that we have such a, a small mentality when it comes to heaven. We look and say, man, why would God get him out of here so quick? Because God loved him that much. Remember in Philippians 1, the apostle Paul said this. He said, for me to live is for Christ, but to die is the gain. And he said, I'm hard pressed between the two. To, to live, you know, right here on the earth is for your advantage but to depart and be with Christ, he said, is far better. Is far, far better. Now, 
let's go ahead and watch what takes place here. And we'll see why it says that Enoch had such great faith. So he was taken away that so he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. And the testimony was that he pleased God. And so the translation to heaven without physical death we see here, it took place because Enoch pleased God. And by taking him out of the world, the, the reason he did it is because he lived accordingly to the word of God. So what we'll see here tonight is some of the reason that God did this. But if you'll hang on to this right here, he said he had a testimony. And that testimony specifically said is that he pleased God. So we see the first point here. His faith was revealed. How was his faith uh, uh, revealed? He pleased God. And he had a testimony in it. So the word testimony, it literally means to bear witness or to have evidence. So this guy named Enoch, he's going through life, and his testimony was, man, he had witness. There was evidence in his life that people look and say, man, Enoch served God. He pleased God. Now, as I begin to look at certain things in the area of Scripture, I found a couple different passages one was pertaining to the Lord Jesus in Matthew 3, 17. And it said this about Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The reason God said that about Jesus, that Jesus obeyed God to the point of death. So we go back and we look and we ask this question then. How would a life that's well pleasing to God look like? In my obedience, my submission, my prayer life, the way I repent, the way I forgive. See, God notices all that. But then I came a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 5. And this had to do with the Israelites, and it said about them, and God was not pleased with them. And God was not pleased with him. So I go there and I start digging to find out why was God not pleased with them? Because of their behaviors, their attitudes, their conduct. And even it said they were habitual complainers. So now we begin to look at things. And, and this guy named Enoch, man, his pleasing God was revealed with the evidence of how he lived. So I begin to look here at different areas to cross-reference just to give you a little insight about this man named Enoch. Just to your right, the book of Jude. It's the last book before Revelations, and it's only one chapter. So I'm going to read Jude, verse 14 and 15. And you'll see his name comes up right in this, verse 14. Now Enoch... The seventh from Adam, or the seventh generation after Adam, he prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. What Enoch was prophesying or telling us about right there is the second coming of Jesus. And he's saying, The day will come when the Lord Jesus 
will come with tens and thousands and thousands of his saints. And what will they come to do? Watch this in verse 15. To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, their ungodly works, which they have committed in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly have sinners have spoken and said about him. So I begin to look at this and I think, Enoch had a full understanding of what it would look like when the Lord comes back. Now remember, he was taken up. If me and you are here in the second coming of Christ, that's what's going to take place with us. It says we're going to be caught up into the air with him. Now, listen guys, I, I haven't ever experienced that. I, I don't fully understand that. I can just tell you biblically. So we begin to learn a little bit about this guy named Enoch. But you know what it began to show me here? When Enoch was alive, the people that were surrounded him were ungodly. They were ungodly in their ways. They were ungodly in their actions, their deeds, and even the things they said about God. So this was a guy who could look at us as saints. And you know what he would say? Been there and done that. I, I know what took place. I know what happened on that day. And so to me, you know what he's given us? He's giving us a glimpse of what it's going to be like on the second coming of Jesus. And he's saying, listen, this is going to happen. It's going to take place. Now, if we really want to get to understand more about Enoch, which we do, go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 5. Again, Enoch pleased God, even when it wasn't popular. So here's the thing that I begin to do when I read about these guys, these ladies and the guys in the Faith Hall of Fame. I always have this thought, okay, Lord, if we could call these guys back to the earth or we could ask them some questions, what would they tell us? So you get this guy named Enoch. And Enoch's great, 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 six times great grandfather was Adam. And Enoch's great, 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 six times grandmother would have been Eve. And so this guy who is his great, great, great grandfather, Adam, he lived to be 930 years old. At the age of 600, Enoch was born into the earth. So for the next 300 plus years, Enoch had the opportunity to be around his great-great-great-great-grandfather, Adam. Now you think about that. I believe this is what would happen. He would get around him and say, Grandpa Adam, tell me how the world was before the fall. Tell me how it was in the garden. And Adam would begin to tell him. He'd say, listen, grandson. He said, it was incredible. There was peace. There, there, there was no war, there was no hate, there was no murder, there was no death, there was no ugly. Everything was perfect. Everything got along and was in harmony. And then Enoch would say, but what happened? And he said, well, the results of sin, and because of sin, it broke our fellowship with Father God. And so it was like when I say it broke the fellowship with Father God, 
I believe Enoch had the heart and the, and the thought that said, you know what? I desire to have fellowship with Father God. I desire to walk with Father God. Now think about this. I believe that all those generations before him, it, it's pretty clear most of them didn't have anything to do with God. But something started stirring in the heart of this guy when he heard about his heavenly father. And he said, you know what? I, I want to walk with God. I want to please God even when it wasn't popular. So we, we take off here in Genesis 5 verse 18. And it said, Jared lived 162 years and he begot Enoch. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. That's a pretty long time. Enoch lived 65 years and he begot Methuselah. After he got, begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So we begin to see something here that at this time in his life, it said he began to walk with God. The Amplified says that he had habitual fellowship with God. Now when you begin to look at this, these, these, these men and women in the Faith Hall of Fame, they didn't get in there by accident or coincidence. You begin to see a guy who had a heart and said, man, I want habitual fellowship with Father God. I want to hang out with Father God. I want to be around him. Keep reading. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, when I begin to look at verse 4, it says again, and Enoch walked with God. He walked in fellowship with God. He pleased God. No one forced him. That was from his heart. And then it said, and he was not. He was not. So I have to look at that. What did that mean he was not? I begin to see that he was not like the rest of the people that he was around. And because he was not like them, it ultimately said there, and God took him. God said, that's my boy. I'm getting him out of here. So as I begin to look at this, I have this thought, okay. If I want to live like normal and ordinary people, I do what normal and ordinary people do. But if I want to live like Enoch, I have to live extraordinary for the things of God. In other words, i got to live for God on purpose. Again, you don't fluke living for God. You don't fluke pleasing God. And so this is what began to happen with him, that he lived in close fellowship. And so Enoch's uh, relative short life can be seen as a blessing. He escaped the earth's corruption. That's what happened. It was getting so bad and so corrupt. You know what God said? That's my boy. I'm getting him out of here. Here's an interesting thought for you. History repeats itself even in the Bible. I can take you now to the next episode with the flood. The only one he saved was Noah and his family. We go to Sodom and Gomorrah. The only ones he saved 
with the righteous. I'm just telling you again, when the world gets so corrupt, there comes a day when God says, enough, enough. Now, when I say that right there, it takes me back to Jude with what he was saying. And so you begin to see this guy who said, you know what? I, I'm going to serve God regardless of what other people do. I'm, I'm going to live for him. And so what you begin to see here is no one has ever sought God without crying out to him, without calling out to him to saying, God, help me. God, I need you. God, I desire you. And so when saying that, I believe that's begin what happened with Enoch. He began to say, oh God, I need you. I desire to hang out with you. I desire this, this relationship with you. Now I want you to go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, when he walked with God, it wasn't popular even with his family members, even with friends, even with his neighbors. They probably thought he was weird. They probably thought he was crazy. But yet, uh, the walking with God, to please God, the Bible called that faith. And so I begin to look at this and understand that any time we choose to walk with God, especially when it's times that it's not popular, whoo, it's an element of faith that we never get into often. So I'm, I'm honored to serve you, Father God. And so I begin to see this word, he walked with God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 8. For you were once darkness. That word darkness literally means error, ignorance, rebellion, and disobedience. For you were once living in error, living in ignorance, living in rebellion, and living in disobedience. Now, when I read that, you know what I might as well do? Is I might as well put my name in there and acknowledge, yes, I've lived in darkness. But if you'll notice what he said, for you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The new living says, live in the newness of your life. Live in that new creation. Remember, when you get born again, you become a new creation in Christ. So he said, live in that way. Learn to live through Christ Jesus. Verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. It's good, it's right, and it's true. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, now when you begin to look at this right here, and he says... Find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Literally stated, learn what pleases the Lord. So we go back and we look at this guy named Enoch who walked with God. And it said specifically he pleased the Lord. So Enoch had to learn the same things we did. This verse right here is cross-referenced to, to Romans 12. One says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
So when I put that in content with what we just read here, this was Enoch. He said, I'm going to present my body a living sacrifice. I'm going to live to please God unlike any other thing that I do. And so this has begun to show me more and more about him. This is why he's in the faith hall of fame. So it goes on to say, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with it. Sever it. Get it out of your life. But rather expose them. And as I looked at what he said right here, it says, let your lives be so in contrast. In other words, we're not called to act like the world. We're not called to live like the world. We're not supposed to imitate them. And so again, it begins to show me that this guy named Enoch made a stand. And we go on and read, and he says in, in, in verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Wow. You know what he's saying? Don't even discuss the darkness. Don't even discuss the sin of the world. You know, I looked at that and I said, Lord, you got to grace me to do that. Oftentimes, man, we start talking about how bad it is and this is going on and that's going on. And he said, don't even talk about that junk. Kind of locates any what type of man he was. Verse 12, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep spiritually, arise from the dead spiritually, and Christ will give you light. Now we get into verse 15. See that you walk or live circumspectly or careful, not as fools, but as wise. So right here, he gives me and you two options. We're either going to live as wise or we're going to live as fools. Now that word walk right there means to a straight line or a path. A course of conduct. It means to pursue a course or way of life. Do I pursue a certain way of life? See, again, this guy didn't get in the Hall of Fame because he had a lot of money. He got in there because of his conduct, and he said, I'm going to live on the straight and narrow. I don't care what everybody else is doing. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to walk. I'm going to live carefully. Why? Verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Here's the warning off of that. Evil doesn't take days off. The darkness does not take days off. So its goal is to daily cause you to drift, to pull you away from the things of God. So when I begin to look with this, uh, this, this is what happens. As human beings, we either walk with God or we're going to walk with the world. One of the two. It can't be both, though. And he ends with this, this last verse. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So when you begin to see this, faith right here isn't an accident. And the more I walk and live for God, the more God rubs off on me. 
the more I begin to imitate him. It's just like a child with his father or his mother. They are imitators. So the more I hang out with God, the more I act like God. And I believe this was shown right there in this guy's, his life. I believe this is why he was so well-pleasing. Now, here's the last verse we're going to end with tonight. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation, chapter 3. Here's what I believe is powerful that we can do on a daily basis through the blood of Jesus. Lord, consecrate me. That means purify me. Consecrate me, Lord, that I don't live like the world. Consecrate me, Lord, to, to, to grace me to, to walk in your, in your light. Grace me to be godly in an ungodly world. And I believe God still does these things. But we're seeing less and less and less. Now, we go to the book of, of Revelations chapter 3. And this is written to the church at Laodicea, which was really a dead church, a very complacent church. But I want to read one verse to you. Revelations 3, verse 20. And if you'll note, this is red letter words, so this is the Lord Jesus. Look what he said. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So it'd be like this, Jesus is... And then he says, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone listens and opens the door, if anyone listens and heeds, he opens the door. He said, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. So as I begin to look at this right here, every one of us in this room, we have choices to make. Jesus is still knocking. Jesus still gives us the opportunity to listen and to heed or to obey. And so when I look at this right here, what happens in our life was the very same thing that would happen in Enoch's life. It happened with Adam because of sin it breaks our fellowship with God. It breaks our fellowship with the Lord Jesus. So when you look right here, he says that when you open the door and come in, he said, I want to dine with you. You know what he's saying? I want to fellowship with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to be intimate with you. I want to get where I know you. And you know me. And I believe to a degree this is exactly what happened with Enoch. And God said again, I long to be with you. And so the thing I learn about him is he walked with God. He was intimate with God. And so let me ask you this right now. Do we take time to be intimate with God? Do we take time to just slow down enough to say, man, Father God, I want to hang out with you. I encourage you in your day. To begin to take time to fellowship with the Lord. It doesn't have to be hours. But so many times when I get around the Lord, I do all the talking. How many of you have ever found that out? God, I need you to do this. I need that. I did that. That's all, folks. I do that and I do that and I do that. And then there's times 
I like to sit right here or these steps are right there and I just get real quiet before the Lord. And when I just get in his presence and I say, Lord, I want to I hear from you. Man, he begins to speak to my heart and it changes everything. I mean, think about this in our busy schedules, in our marriage covenants. It's not much of a marriage when you just run by each other all day. Day after day, week after week after week, and there's no fellowship. There's no intimate fellowship. But if I take you to the book of Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, remember there was two women. Martha was caught up with serving. She was busy, 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 busy. And she got mad and she said to Jesus, she said, Lord, tell my sister to marry to help. And Jesus basically, in my terminology, said, Martha, you need to chill, girl. You need to lighten up. And you know what he said? Mary's found the good part. And you know what it was? She sits at my feet. And here's the word. She sits at my feet. She fellowships with me. And when I go back to the Garden of the Eden in those early days before Adam and Eve got into the mess they did, whoo, they would fellowship with God. And remember what happened after they, they, they got out of fellowship with Him? They hid themselves. And they began to put on those fig leaves. And, and the Lord said, Who told you you were naked? It was shame. And the shame of their sin broke the fellowship. But I'm telling you tonight, he still knocks. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.